Welcome to the EchoCast, episode 125, While We Wait Again. This is a podcast about the Division 2, its community, news, speculation, and updates. I am Bon Diesel. I do Division stuff such as this podcast, Twitch streams, and YouTube videos, mostly about the Division 2. Please take a moment to subscribe and to rate this podcast on whatever platform you are listening to it on. This week, we will talk about The Dream Architects, book by David Polfelt, The Division 2, TU-12 news coming, some uh, future Division spoiler talk. Don't worry, I will make it very clear when the spoilers begin. Uh, Some Xbox Series X and PS5 information and more. But first, I would like to thank our Patreon supporters this month, Hassan, Christian, Darren, Tim, PK, and Dale. Uh, this, uh, your contributions definitely help me justify the time I spend on this podcast and my other content. If you would like to support this podcast and that other content, please check out patreon.com slash bondiesel. Okay. So typically we start with a division two state of the game recap, but there was no state of the game today, nor was there last week, which is why I did not record. Uh, so it's very likely due, um, I assume to a technical or personal issue, um, because there was information to talk about this week. Um, I know I saw on Twitter that Hamish, uh, has his, uh, annual or biannual, uh, MRI. Um, he has a long-term, uh, thing that he has to have checked out. If you want to learn more about it, go check out his Twitter. I really don't think it's any of my business to talk much about. Um, but you can go check it out there. He's okay. He's fine. He just has to make sure he's okay. Um, and that's just something to consider. Um, because of that, I'm under the impression Hamish won't be back in the massive offices until there's a vaccine. Um, so that looks like from the last things I've seen, um, a vaccine's not going to be avail- be available to general public until early or mid 2021. It looks like they might get some doses out this year, um, but that's going to be prioritized for the most at risk and healthcare workers. And then uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the middle of next year or even later before they can give us um, a, uh, a like a like a public release of that. So because of that, uh, don't expect to see Hamish really uh, like in their new studio and stuff, which is kind of a bummer because if you didn't know, um, during this whole crisis, uh, or right when it was beginning was when they were moving um, all of their teams to their new office, Eden. Um, I'll talk about that a bit when I talk about the Dream uh, Architects book with David uh, Pulfelt. But uh, they'd already moved the Avatar team there. And I think when all this started was when they were starting to move the Division team over. Uh, And I believe a bunch of them are there now. And I assume that means a new studio for State of the Game. But we don't really know. 
And what I'll be totally honest about is uh, I've never really mentioned it, but uh, the way their studio was set up in the in their old office, uh, anytime the camera was on Hamish over his left shoulder, you could see my uh, division shots book I did for division one. They had it displayed up there. Uh, I would call it front and center. Uh, so I'm, I'm really hoping that it at least gets featured in some, some capacity in the new studio. Uh, but that's just a selfish little desire. Um, not having a stay of the game for a whole month is kind of a bummer. I, um, as much as anyone, uh, kind of depend on that for at least a little bit of my podcast. So, um, you know, that's, I, I get it. I get the frustration. Now I, you know, there's always people who, when they have a pod, when they have a stay of the game, it's always a hot, hot mess in the comments, but when they don't have one, it's just as bad, if not worse. Um, I mean, it's, it's just this year, man. It, it's a weird year. Things are weird. Um, I also suspect this is kind of a, oh, uh, how do I say it? This is kind of a symptom of where we are currently at with with the division two, like where it's at in its development. Um, if people remember, uh, around this time, this would be equivalent to late 2017 for division one. Um, and if you remember that, uh, they had even less going on. So, um, you have to consider that they took multiple week breaks multiple times, um, around this time of development for division one. Um, and they didn't have seasons to update us on. They didn't have new, quote unquote, new content that was coming out every few weeks, uh, you know, with every season and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, back then it was literally just like a bug fixes and like global events, but they were the same things over and over. Um, so, you know, it's kind of just where we're at and it, obviously there's other factors as well. So, it looks like the next day of the game will be on November 4th, I believe was the date they gave. Um, we'll talk about that more after the break. So uh, getting getting into some general uh, gaming news, the first thing I'll talk about is actually kind of division adjacent. Uh, I purchased and read a book called The Dream Architects by David Polfelt. If you don't know who David Pofelt is, he is the managing director at Massive. Um, after reading the book, now I know a lot more about him and how important he is to, uh, if you're a Division fan, um, you know, how big of a deal that is. Um, but just in general. And so what I'll say about the book is if you're a Division fan, you should get it. It's a really cool origin story um, for the guy in charge of the company that makes the game. Um, it, it also is a, mostly an origin story for massive. Um, I'll, I'll talk about more, but massive got purchased by Ubisoft around 2000, I think it was eight or nine and massive before Ubisoft and after were basically two different companies. Um, a lot of the same people. Uh, so the soul was still there, but there's just a lot that's different about the two companies. So for the origin of what we know is massive today. Um, it's a great book to learn about that. So, um, but the book covers kind of his origins where he started out, he was an art major. Um, he was an artist. He, this, you know, he wasn't in the games, uh, or not like making games. Um, it talked about a bunch of his early jobs and how he had jobs kind of morph into gaming. Uh, he tried to start his own gaming development team. It sounds like a couple times, um, and then when he got in with massive, cause he knew the person who created it named, his name was Martin. 
Um, and then subsequently they're purchased by Ubisoft and how, uh, basically the person in charge of the, uh, the studios, the purchase studios at, at Ubisoft wasn't, uh, was on vacation when they bought massive and she didn't want them to, she didn't want them. Uh, and then he ta- tells a story about how they had this project called rogue, which became the division one, um, that they'd been working on since before they even got acquired. Um, and they really started cracking on in 2012. Um, they worked on an Assassin's Creed and Far Cry 3 in this time, but Division was their own IP. And the whole point of Massive, what, what David wanted from it was that they would have two IPs that they own and they work on, and they would have their own engine that those games are on. Um, and it's kind of cool because we know now that they have the division franchise, they have avatar and they have snowdrop. So those, those three things have been fulfilled. Um, and then we'll see where they go from there. So, um, he's pretty straight up and honest about the development of division and how it went. Um, and how he calls the game a piece of shit a few times, um, before it, not long before it came out, um, what I'll say is that it seems like his outlook on the division one is very much um, like a meta overview of how someone who's in his position and knows how much of a struggle it was to get that game made um, would see it and that it was a success um, financially uh, and sales wise and things like that. Um, he doesn't really go into how things worked after it was released because I have a pretty good feeling that people in his position basically disconnect from the games when they release and it's other people's jobs to handle them after they come out. So if you're looking for him to be straight up and deep about the way the game was in development division one, good book. If you're looking for him to have commentary on how the DLCs went in year two and year three, and then division two, this, he doesn't talk much about it. He actually barely, he briefly mentions division two. Um, this book seems like it was written like late 2019, uh, from the way he talks about stuff or maybe mid 2019. Um, and so it was after division two's release, but I don't know if there's some reasoning why he didn't talk more about its development. Um, maybe he didn't have a whole lot to do with it. I'm not sure. So, um, so, so just a warning, uh, I, I suggest reading this book no matter what, if you're into gaming and you want to peek behind the curtain, even if you aren't a division fan, this would be a good book to read. So if you are a division fan, I think it's even better. If you're curious about how people in gaming get to where they are and how, you know, things work behind the scenes and the politics of it all. And specifically with Ubisoft, it sounds like it's a very, um, uh, from his book, it comes off as very tense, at least at the upper management, uh, level, it seems that way. So, um, it's, it was a, it was very eye opening, and it's funny how a lot of stuff very much explains a lot and I'll kind of leave that there. Uh, a surprising thing that I was really excited to read about in this was, um, they give kind of, it's the most information I think anyone's given out about what the avatar game is going to be. Um, and even the process of them getting the rights to that game. I don't want to spoil it because it's one of my favorite stories uh, in the book. So I highly suggest you actually read it or get the, the ebook or, or the audio book and, and listen to it. Um, because how they acquired those rights, um, I mean, the division was key in them getting the rights to avatar, um, you know, and snowdrop and stuff like that. So, um, it's a cool story and, but it basically sounds like they're trying to make, 
the biggest game world that's ever been made and they're and the only way they can make that work is by letting snowdrop figure out how to procedurally generate a map and control how many predators there are and herbivores and plant life and stuff all based off of rules set and not because an artist is going to touch every single square inch of the game world it's um it's really interesting and it's it's one of those things that when you hear it uh, it sounds pretty damn ambitious (laughs) and it's supposed to be like a 10-year project that they're going to work on and um i I suspect, I believe the next Avatar movie is supposed to come out um, in what, like 2022 or 2023. Um, And so I imagine that that game right now is cracking. And if you check out the massive hiring page, it's mostly Avatar stuff, but it's also some other stuff, which we'll talk about soon. So um, The Dream Architects by David Polfelt. It's on Amazon. That's where I got it. Um, It's a nice looking book as well. So if you want something cool in your your bookshelf, it's a nice, um, it, it looks very cool um it's a it was really interesting obviously i care a lot about and i like seeing behind the scenes of massive because i'm uh you know the division is a game and a franchise that i like more than i've ever liked anything else even though i do like other things and um i guess the most the more information i can suck up about it uh, i'll take it so yeah if you're interested in that i would check it out oh the last thing i forgot to talk about uh, they talk about Eden, so that new studio I was talking about. Uh, and what was really interesting is, as I'm aware, like today, Massive has five or 600 employees. I think it's six or more. Um, what's interesting is that at one point he mentions that this Eden studio is meant to handle 700 plus uh, employees. And then in another part, at, towards the end of the book, uh, he talks about one of his kids saying to him, like, wow, like, do you know... You, you could eventually be supervising more than a thousand people. So that tells me a couple things. One, it tells me that this Eden studio is meant um, to be a catalyst for massive to grow exponentially a lot. Um, And what that tells me um, is hopefully two things. One, I think they're going to add another IP. Um, I'll talk about this more after the break, but Stockholm um massive stockholm is a separate studio that's not even actually in eden um but it has a guy who used to work at dice um on battlefield and uh, bad company um and he and, and they're working on something and they're hiring a lot um the other thing i hope this new eden studio means is that uh you know if, if that massive stockholm project is a third ip um Hopefully that means that one, they're obviously investing significantly in the avatar. Uh, if they do a bunch of hiring, I assume a lot of it will be for avatar because if you read this book, you'll get the scope of how big that project is supposed to be for massive and Ubisoft and James Cameron and, and uh, light sound, whatever his studio is called. Um, that's a big deal. So that makes sense why they would want to grow. But hopefully that also means that the division two or a potential division three or four or whatever um, is in the mix. Because if you read that book, you'll really understand how intertwined the division franchise is to massive because it's basically the reason that Ubisoft didn't shut them down. So uh, as much as crap as people want to give division, I get it. Um, 
if you read this book, I think you'll kind of start to understand that while even division one was kind of a hot mess from a player perspective when it released, if you read this book, you'll understand why the fact that it even got released was a miracle and you may depending on who you are, be able to stop and say like, yeah, the game had some flaws and the game currently has flaws, but they did a lot more good than bad with that game. And, um, and you could probably say the same about division two. So, uh, but that's up to you. So I would check it out. Cool book. I don't ever read hardly. I read through this in like four or five days. I got through it pretty fast. Um, it's 300 something pages. I mean, it's, it's not small, but it's not, you know, overwhelming either. The second topic is talking about the Xbox Series X news. We um, have uh, no huge news. Uh, it seems like some embargoes came up uh, on all those people who got those preview units. It seems like the last of what they're allowed to tell us um, is 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 available now um there wasn't really it seems like they had pretty much given us the the whole story um at the end of the day everything i've seen from all sources seems very positive um, both from people who seem kind of xbox leaning to people who do seem a little more neutral um it seems like basically at the end of the day the story is the news and the noise uh, or the the news, the speed and the noise. Um, there is no noise, even at full throttle. It seems like at the worst, it just kind of fades into the background. Um, and in the speed, I mean, they just keep talking about how everything just loads so quickly. And there's even been discussion about how games are going to have to like design themselves differently where like loading screens and stuff. There's been multiple examples where people talked about how the baked in loading screen at the beginning of a game, or like when you load into the game, it's designed to that. It, it didn't matter before because you know, loads took 30 seconds, a minute, even maybe a couple minutes, but now they could take as little as like five or 10 seconds, but the loading screen animation or whatever is like 15 seconds. So the thing actually holding back how quickly the game loads is the animation of the loading screen. Um, and so I, you know, I suspect that, you know, maybe you'll see some games go backwards and kind of adjust that. So it's not an issue. Uh, I suspect you'll more see it in uh, moving forward that, um, those games will, uh, you know, have a different method of loading screen. So the, the systems that can load them extremely quickly will be able to do that without any hiccups. Um, uh, the digital foundry did do something kind of talking about the heating issues. That was kind of like a false rumor that got put out and basically pointed out that at the end of the day, it seems like the series X actually performs better from a thermal standpoint than even the one X does, which uh, I've never seen anyone really complain. I know my one X, I mean, if I put my hand on it while it was playing some high, like a very intense game, it would be warm. Um, but I also had mine, extremely well ventilated in the middle of a desk by itself basically so um it seems like just like any other electronic if you give it room to breathe it's fine and uh i think that some of the fake concern about the heat of the series x was kind of unfounded uh the last thing i don't think uh, there's been any real previews like this about the series s um that's kind of surprising you would think they would want people to get their hands on it um, it's also kind of not surprising because 
I think they're happy to give people that option, but I still think they really want people to focus on the Series X. So if we don't get any like super in-depth um, kind of you know takedowns or dive-ins to the Series S, I actually wouldn't be that surprised. Um, I really think the Series X is still supposed to be the star of the show, even if the Series S is available. Um, on the other side of the of the console next gen market, you have the PS5, which there it's really interesting. Um, I, I think that the Sony is being a little more conservative because they kind of know they can. Um, they know that basically no matter what they do, um, people are going to buy it and be excited for it. Um, but it is interesting that they've had um, there's been a few bits of controversy here and there. Most of it kind of BS, you know. Um, one thing did come out this week with a PS4 UI update that will also be in PS5 and how there's the ability to record conversations that happen through the system, uh, for reporting reasons. Um, and I will say that I've seen kind of multiple takes on it from different people in the gaming world. Um, so my whole thing is I remember like a long time ago when they initially revealed the PlayStation and the controller, uh, the PlayStation five was when they announced that every single controller has a mic in it. I remember I had like PTSD flashbacks of the Kinect on the Xbox One when it first came out. And not even from a privacy standpoint, but just from a obnoxious standpoint, since every Xbox One came with a uh, with a Kinect, what you ran into, especially in the early days of Xbox One, was you'd be playing something like um, uh, even in the division because it did have VoIP, but even in like call of duty and things like that, these games that have VoIP, um, every, every single person has a mic and the connect one was even worse. Cause it was, it could pick up everything in the entire room. And so what you would literally have were these moments where if, if the wife was yelling at the husband who was playing games or if the kid was playing the games and getting and yelling at their siblings or whatever, you would hear, everything and sure you can mute it you can mute them specifically but it happened all the time <laughs> and i don't think i'm really curious to how it works out with ps5 with every single controller having a mic in it when it comes to those similar issues and then on top of that are the privacy concerns because now they're basically given the impression that there's this rolling recording of this always on recording going on um, now they say they have a secure system and all that, even though they've had issues in the past with that. Um, I would not be a big fan of every single PS5 controller having a microphone in it. Um, I understand people have kind of dogged on the Xbox for their controller basically being the same, even though all I've read is that people like the controller uh, more, uh, even just slightly. Um, the weight distribution, the grip on it, the share button, the new D-pad, things like that. Um, but they didn't try to do any gimmicky stuff. They didn't try to put stuff into it. And I really like that where it seems like with the PS five, they were, are, are kind of trying to be like, yeah, like, look, we, we have a microphone in there and this new haptic feedback and these special, con you know, things. And even to the point this week, I saw a story about how PlayStation five is saying that, yeah, we're going to analyze the games that people play and we can update how the fan, the cooling fan works in the system. So it, it can, you know, perform better while you're playing certain games as someone who's built PCs for a long time, you know, since the nineties, that makes no sense. Uh, what kind of software you're using on your hardware 
the the fan the cooling solution so it should work based off its feedback from the hardware not the software you're running so this that there's just like a lot of weird like gimmicky things they're kind of throwing out there to me instead of just putting the system into some people's hands letting people jump into the the ui to play some games on it to play some backwards compatible games on it to to do all this stuff um that we've been seeing from xbox for the last few weeks and um again at the end of the day i think sony knows that they don't have to do that you know xbox is trying to fight from behind so obviously they're going to do things that are a little more uh, i don't know if you'd call it risky but just a little more adventurous and um i'm, I'm really curious to how it's going to play out i at this point don't think there's going to be preview units for the playstation 5. Um, if there are, I'm assuming they're going to get delivered to reviewers maybe a couple days early. I could see them maybe even try to steal the thunder, uh, maybe send them out like a week before the PS5 launches and then make the embargo date the same day that the Xbox releases. Maybe they could take some wind out of Xbox's sales um, like that. I don't know. But it is odd because um, we have had the the complete teardown of the system, the video they posted, which was neat. I mean, that was cool. Um, and then they had that weird like creator event in Japan where like Japanese creators could like look at the system but couldn't do anything with it. It was kind of odd. Um, I don't know. PlayStation's strategy during this whole pre-launch window has been really odd. Um, now you've seen all the goodwill they built up through the PS4 generation paying off during this time where even if they release the stuff about always recording things or, uh, you know, aren't really giving people hands on, aren't really giving out a ton of information, people don't care. They're still super hyped for it, which is awesome. Um, it's just the PlayStation strategy during this time has been, has been odd. And what else is odd are these 30 second mid rolls. Okay, so let's jump into some Division 2 topics. Like I said at the top of the show, there will be a segment here at the end um, with spoilers. I will clearly announce that we are not in spoiler territory yet. Uh, so the first thing here, we have the release of title update 11.1. Uh, um, I've only seen kind of a, a, you know, a post here and there about some glitches with skills and things like that. Uh, I mean, if you're a true division fan at this point, you uh, probably kind of expect these things. I don't necessarily think that means that we should accept them or uh, be cool with them, but there is kind of a uh, fool me once, shame on me or shame on you, fool me a hundred times, shame on us both um, kind of a situation here. But overall, it seems like the reception of the new summit changes is, is really positive. Um, I, the only real kickback I've seen, uh, it's something I feel as well, is I do wish there was still some ability to skip up the levels. Um, I understand now that you can customize the difficulty. Um, they don't want people to just jump to level 51, set it to normal, and just buzz their way to the top. But at the same time, who cares? You know, why not? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Full disclosure, uh, 
Um, I won't be able to play 11.1 until November 10th uh, when my Series X comes in. I loaded up my, I, I, I downloaded Division to my PC. I, I, I got it going. I'm only level like five or six on there. Um, fun little story. The only time I've actually played my PC tune was in the like the eight hours before division two released um in the united states it was available in australia so i vpn'd to australia australia so i could play it early and played it for like three hours and it was awesome um and i never touched it again so um i tried to play it again on my pc i just i really hate mouse and keyboard with, with division obviously the aiming is great um, but everything else sucks. I hate using skills with my keyboard. I hate the movement. I hate cover system. It's just, it's awful. I, I hate that game on PC and I would normally just plug in a controller, but I sold my Xbox with my extra controller. Uh, so I don't even have a controller in the house. So for now it's real time strategy games and escape from Tarkov until November 10th. But that's when I will, um, check out TU 11.1. Um, by then I won't really probably review anything necessarily because it'll be out for like a month by then. But, um, overall it does seem like it's being received well, and I am excited to get in there and finally finish the summit. Now, the information that we got this week that even though there was no stay of the game today when I recorded this, um, they did say on November 4th, when the next day of the game does come along, there will be a title update 12 info drop of some capacity. So what we know about title update 12 um, is that that will come along with season four. So um, it depends on what they say title update 12 is. I don't know if it's supposed to add any new modes or do any big changes or whatever. Um, but we do know it'll come along with season four. So I imagine title update 12 will come in, uh, well, it'd be like mm, early December, I think. Um, so we know there's the nightmare mode. We don't know anything about it yet. The only thing we really know is that it has something to do with Kinley college. I'm personally hoping it's a big revamp of Kinley College. Um, what I'm worried about is that it's going to be really cool and fun to play, and it's a limited mode, and we're only going to get it for like two weeks or something. Um, that would just that would figure with Kinley College, but I'll wait and see. Um, we also know it comes with the season four manhunt, which will be Fei Lao. Um, in the spoilers, we'll be talking about that situation, so I won't say much about it now. Um, so we'll have New Manhunt, this nightmare mode, uh, and that's all we kind of know. So um, I'm hoping that maybe they're going to announce some type of like Christmas event. It'd be cool to get a level 40 snowball Tommy gun um, if, if they'll put that out again with the, the, um, uh, the loot goblin with their, with their Christmas hat again. Um, and we'll have to see. I, I've been speculating for a while. I think season four um, and title update 12 is going to be the last big um, drop of content and info. I, I suspect after that, um, from 2021 to 2022, I think it's maybe going to be either like rehashing manhunts or global events or uh, maybe I, hopefully it's hopefully there's more seasons or whatever, like or new modes or, or something. It'd be really cool if there's more than just that, but um, I'm still anticipating an announcement of division three in March of next year um, because they actually shortened season three. Uh, it was short by like a week. 
Um, and it seems like they did that so that season four could end right in the middle of March. Um, and, uh, you know, that would be two years, the two year, two year anniversary of division two. And on the two year anniversary of division one is when they announced division two. So, uh, you never know, you know, with COVID and stuff, it's hard to tell games that were supposed to come out in two or three years make not come out in that time frame anymore. So that very well could affect a game like division three, if it's even in development. Um, I do hope though, that in March, uh, of 2021 here in a few months. Uh, I hope that we at least get some very clear direction about what's happening with, with the franchise. Either there's a third iteration coming in 2022, or they're going to continue to support division two with some new modes and more seasons or whatever. Um, I still think it's division three for multiple reasons, uh, including the next topic. Um, but especially because of what I'm going to talk about in the spoilers. So, um, either way, we're going to get some type of information about TU 12, uh, on the fourth, uh, and I'll be there and I hope you will be too. If you can't be, be sure to check out my Twitter account at bond diesel, where I do uh, live state of the game, uh, updates and reactions. Uh, I normally do a big giant thread of all the info. I try to get screenshots and all that fun stuff. Okay, so the third topic, um, so the last podcast a couple weeks ago, I talked about basically feeling like the Division 3 had basically been, or some type of Division project had been confirmed by a hiring listing on uh, the Malmo Massive website. Um, There's now a bunch more positions added and that similar uh, wording. And I suspect that in some capacity, they are ramping back up for Division 3. Also, like I said before about the book, um, it seems like Division is way too um, integral to uh, to Massive for them to just give up on it at some point. Um, there have been people pointing out that there's a, there's a massive Stockholm uh, development office that I had mentioned before. Um, I don't think that's division related. I think they're either like doing uh, support on another project for another studio. Maybe they're working with like Redstorm or uh, Reflections or something like that. Or it's just a new IP for Massive and they'll be going to a third IP on top of Division and Avatar. Um, I, I just I don't believe that's related. I, I don't think it makes sense for them to do anything division wise um, across the across the channel in a different country. Um, but I could be wrong. Um, so that's what we know, which isn't much, but I'm still pretty confident. <laughs> so we'll have to see if I'm right here in uh, here in a few months. Okay, here's the spoilers. Spoiler alert. I'm going to be talking about season four spoilers. Um, the, the spoilers from the PTS was it PTS nine, 9.0 or 10, um, have all basically come true. The season two and three spoilers have all basically been dead on as far as we can tell. And, um, so I suspect that the season four spoilers that were in that data mining are probably correct as well. Now, let me clarify that those season four spoilers had the least detail. Um, season two and three were were very detailed about what they revealed. Um, the season four really it just had some voice lines that the person who data mined kind of um, 
guests from there. Um, but I think that it's at least worth talking about that and why I think it supports some of my predictions. So this is your last warning spoilers for the next you know, few minutes, five, 10 minutes, maybe. And then I'll, I'll start to wrap the show up. So, okay. So in season four, what we know from these spoilers is that uh, the manhunt is for Faye. So you're going to go through and you're actually the agents that you fight um, to get to her, the four agents that she recruits are actually some of the agents that uh, she was dealing with during the warlords of New York story, where if you listen to the audio um, files, she, uh, you know, there was the rogue agent that she captured um, who we basically figure out, I believe turned her to black tusk. And um, it seems like kind of working as a black tusk operative, but still as like a rogue agent herself, um, she collects these four agents, you hunt them. And then the final mission is you actually hunting her at um, the Camp White Oak. And during the mission, you are fighting through Camp White Oak to get to her and to take her down. And she has President Ellis uh, in the final, that like final camp, and she kills him. And what you need to realize is that even though the, the agents and stuff in DC know that he's like a turncoat, he's, you know, been helping black Tusk behind the scenes. He's still technically the president of whatever's left of the American government. Um, and he's still the boss of the shade agents technically. And so, so fail kills him and, uh, frames the agents for it because she's still an agent technically. And what I think, and, and that's basically all we know. She gets away. So I'm under the impression that we do not kill Faye. Um, at least that's what the leaks suggested, um, that we do not kill Faye during this, um, during the final mission. And what happens is that, uh, Ellis is dead and now it looks like the shade agents killed him. Um, I don't even know how that mission is going to end. I suspect that she's going to bounce in a helicopter for Black Tusk. And then this uh, will probably get attacked by hunters or something like that. That's my guess. Or, and this is what I think is actually going to happen. Ellis is going to die. And I think from that point on, we're going to be rogue agents. And I think there's going to be some type of, we're going to end up being like ambushed by like, non-rogue agents or we're going to get ambushed by black tusk or something like that um i'm actually kind of glad that the spoilers don't go into how that mission ends because there is enough mystery there's a lot of things we don't know about season four even right now but we do know kind of these major points so so what i think that means and and, and that information is why i do believe that this um is going to be the final act of division two from a lore standpoint because what I think this is going to turn into is I think Ellis is dead. Faye, you know, frames the, the shade agency for it. She takes off with Black Tusk so they can continue doing what they're doing. And all of the shade agents are going to get marked universally rogue. And I think they're going to get marked universally rogue. And the agents are going to have to go into some kind of hiding in their safe houses and things like that. I think they're going to lose their quote unquote authority. Um, and they're all going to be looked at as enemy combatants, basically no different than 
the rogues that we've been fighting since division one who worked with the LMB and Keener and, and now the, the rogue network. Um, and I think that's going to lead into a division two or division three where the shade agents who are left are going to go into hiding and start operating, uh, more more of like a guerrilla type warfare and uh they're going to have to try to figure out how to uh, restore their status to non-rogues and uh so i think a division three is going to take place in another city um they did talk about seattle and new orleans um from before uh you know th th that were considered at the same time as dc for division two I highly suspect they haven't stopped considering those places for a location and both of them could work for a place for agents to congregate, to get away from like the coast where the black tusk is focused and things like that. And you could go as far as going all the way out West for the agents to kind of come together and be like, okay, so we're what's left. We need to figure out how to prove that we didn't do anything wrong and we need to take down Faye and the black tusk. Um, and I think that's what division three is going to be. I think there's going to be some type of story that new Orleans or Seattle or some other city is like a big giant shade hub. Um, I actually, uh, to point out something about the shade agents, um, I think they're going to lose their, their, uh, connection to Isaac cause they're going to be marked rogue. And I think that's where Anna, which is Keener's version of Isaac that we got a preview of basically when we took down Keener. Um, I think that we'll start to use Anna. That will be our new system. And uh, we're, it, it, I think they're going to play into all of that. Um, and then I think that's what division three is going to be. And I think it's going to come out in 2022. Um, I also am kind of curious to what a division three even looks like, because if that's the direction they go with it, that gets to a point where like, if they really want to tell that story about like a redemption story for the agents, it's going to take more than just kind of like a light story. Like we've gotten with division one and two, I think it's going to require like a, a real more like legitimate single player experience. And the more and more time that passes, the more and more I wonder um, with that surge guy leaving, um, who is a big pusher on all these games as a service games and open world games. Um, I, I think that the, the division would always be an open world game, but I would almost wonder if one day it would take, um, it would look something more like a Witcher type game or something like that, but with co-op where it might not be this like always online game necessarily and things like that, where it may turn into a more traditional open world experience. Um, that can tell a much more clear and detailed story. Um, you have to think that games as a service was the hot thing in like 2011, 12, when development really ramped up on division. Um, and it's just not at this point. Um, you're talking about a studio that um, has put out two games in this style um, that in theory is trying to compete with Destiny. Um, but never has really shown an effort to actually try to compete with them because you're talking about a studio that's working with like a fifth of the resources um, just for manpower. Uh, I mean, Bungie's a gigantic studio that's mostly focused on one game um, and has no overlords at this point. They can do whatever they want where massive isn't that way. It's a large studio, but it's segmented into different games and projects and it's moving people around and, um, even at its peak division probably didn't have as many people working on it as destiny two did or does currently. So I think what we may see is them stop maybe trying to directly compete if they ever were 
um, in the games as a service game with something like Destiny and try to go to maybe a more traditional or maybe even like a more story focused um, route of being maybe just a more traditional open world game. Um, and honestly, there may be a point where if you really ask me the honest question of, would you rather have what we had with division one or two, or would you rather them release a game that's got like a good 20, 30 hour experience has some replayability to it, but isn't really like super focused on that. And then every six months there's a, you know, 10, 15 hour DLC that comes out. And then there maybe be, you know, maybe they then could take some time to focus on making uh, like a whole separate survival mode, maybe a whole really actually focusing on like a conflict mode, uh, a good 4v4 PVP mode for people to play when they don't have other stuff to do. Um, I don't know. I made a poll with only got about a hundred responses, but that's still something um, asking people like what a division three, does it have to be a games as a service for you to want to do it? Um, and a slight majority um, said no. And I found that really interesting. Um, I just really wonder, like, I really do believe that if division, if Ubisoft ever wanted to compete directly head up with destiny, um, they could, if they gave massive enough resources, enough money, enough manpower, and enough patience and time, I think they absolutely could. I just don't know, you know, you have to look now, what games are the most popular today? And cause it's so hard to predict, you know, three, four or five years in the future, but you're looking at mostly session-based games are popular today. You're talking about the battle Royales that are still popular. You're talking about games like fall guys and among us and things like that. Um, you're talking about games that uh, aren't thousand hour experiences. You're talking about games that are, you know, 30 minute experiences. Um, and so I kind of wonder how just that change in gaming landscape will impact um, the division franchise and hopefully a division three. I'm also really curious too, and I really hope and hope and hope and hope that division three would be next gen only. Um, because even division one was held back by the original Xbox and PlayStation four. Um, and the, the one X and the PS4 pro, which was out when, P when division two came out, I mean, that's great, but they still have to make the game for the old systems. And so if the, if, if the specs that the PS5 and the series X are putting out are the absolute minimum that they have to shoot for, um, I would really be curious to how many of those big giant world things they could do that they speculated and showed us back in 2013's trailer. I would love to see how much more of those things they could open up. And that's kind of my argument for the idea that maybe this doesn't need to be this massively multiplayer, you know, games as a service experience. What if like all of those world elements that we saw back in that 2013 trailer were like every section of the map had its own like little system uh, uh, of like control and, and, and power with the local factions and the JTF and the agents. Like what if they could spend more development time and power on that type of stuff that would make the game more replayable. Um, we, we, we got a hint of that in division two with the control points and the patrols and the way that, um, you know, at least uh, until t T10, um, those control points used to be able to take each other over. So there was kind of this, and if you ever paid attention, there were times where an outcast control point would send a party to a true sons control point and take it over. Um, I would almost like to see a big expansion in that kind of depth and make that stuff more consequential or more interesting. 
Um, I mean, you know, there's kind of the joke about the, 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 the campus and the theater settlements and division two, well, they can be locked down by the, the BTSU or the, the black tusk, but literally you just go do like a 32nd activity and, and then they're unlocked again. Like they're blockaded and then they aren't. So, so I don't know. I just, I'm starting to wonder, um, I just kind of wonder if the, if the way that they did division one and two has kind of worn out its welcome and if they would do a division three and not make it unrecognizable i i would still like to see the a basically similar game but to try a bunch of different things or to give up on things that just don't seem like they've worked um, i won't go into a pvp rant this time there is room for pvp in this franchise but not in the way that it's it works right now. I just, I think the DZ is a failed experiment, which is kind of ironic considering the DZ in the game is also a failed experiment. Um, I think the DZ in division one made a lot of sense and was a cool idea that just because of humans just didn't work and it never worked the way that they wanted it to. And then division two, they kind of, I just don't like the origin stories for all three DZs just to me, just is kind of silly. Just that it just seems like it was really forced and then they still couldn't make it work you know division one the map was too big and so it was hard to fight people division two the three maps are too small and you always have to fight people like it's this weird it's just a, it's odd it's very weird the way things work and the way people are but um i'll be very curious to see if they make any bold moves with a division three or if they try to just take the same formula and try to improve it a little bit more like it seems like they tried with division two Okay. So we have one listener question this week from pizza morgue on discord. And they say, uh, Yakuza, I'm, I'm I shortened this question because it was kind of long. Um, and there was actually two parts. I'm only going to answer the second part. Um, Yakuza only runs at 60 FPS on 1440p on series X, which I don't think is true, but I have to look back at the D digital foundry video. Um, any concerns about that? So the problem is, is that Almost none of the games on Xbox or PlayStation are uncapped uh, frame rates. Uh, there's only a few. Um, and the ones that are, that I've seen played on the Series X, have like crazy FPS, at least 60 and some of them even higher, um, even at like, you know, 4K. So the problem is, is that because the current gen systems, the Xbox One, the PlayStation 4, the PS4 Pro, the One X, because even they struggle you know, at 900p or 1080 or 1440 or 4k, um, to even hit 30 FPS, um, for the most part, uh, and there's a few games that have like a frame versus visual, uh, selection, but for the most part, most of the games on console are locked at 30 FPS. The division two is an example of a game that on consoles is locked at 30 FPS. Um, and so even the problem is that even with these games that are kind of cross generation, like Yakuza is probably capped at 60 FPS. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that that game can run at more than 60 FPS on 1440p and should be able to hit at least 60 FPS at 4K. That game isn't like a next-gen game. It's a it's a very pretty, clean game, but there's nothing about that game that should challenge the new systems um, in any real way, shape, or form. So um, I think there's going to be this kind of cross-generational thing where it's like, some games like well that's i'm sure there's going to be people that are going to say that about like division two on the series x and the ps5 they're going to be you know why is this two-year-old game why is it only doing 30 fps 
And it's because at least as far as we know right now, they aren't going to unlock the frames or even bump up the minimum up to 60 for the, even the new systems. As far as we know, they've only said that uh, division two will work on the next gen. They've said nothing else. I'm really hoping that there's there, they will maybe a TU 12 or something that they'll give at least the option for like, you know, like a frame rate mode or a graphics mode or allow the new systems to have, you know, an uncapped frame rate or at least a frame rate of 60 to really take advantage of it. Cause it's really, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, that's all we need. I mean, that's all I need because I can already tell you that when you load up a game like division that has issues with data streaming and pop in on the map and stuff like that, like those things aren't going to happen with the series X and PS five, even if it stays at 30 FPS. Um, because the hard drive is just bonkers. It's just so much faster. So you're, you're actually going to see a lot of improvement, even if they don't change the frames. Um, but yeah, I think that you, the Yakuza thing, I really actually don't think that's true. I'm pretty sure, um, digital foundry showed it at 60 FPS at 4k. Um, but I could be wrong. I don't have it in front of me, but either way, um, that's mostly going to come down to the studios and what they're willing to do and not to do. So, um, I'm not super worried about that. What I'm curious about is in like three or four years when the series X and the PS five's tech are kind of, um, hitting a wall. Um, once people play games at 60 FPS, they're never going to want to go back. Um, I can tell you that myself, um, even as someone who loves consoles and I can tolerate 30 FPS once people once most people have played at higher fps they're never going to want to go back so what i'm curious about is i really hope that that developers with especially next gen exclusive games that they're going to have the ability or the wherewithal to ensure that you can choose because if in three or four years my series x can only do 60 fps at 1440p or even at 1080 i will choose that every time um i i it will be hard to go back to 30 if you spend two or three years on the new systems playing at 60 on almost everything so um that's more what i'm concerned about uh but then that's the perfect time for sony and microsoft to put out their their mid-series refresh you know and we'll have the series x pro and the ps5 pro um you can write that down. I can pretty much guarantee that's going to happen. Okay. We'll wrap up with some content updates and then get out of here. Um, so last week, uh, my sister-in-law got married. Um, therefore, uh, my, uh, Bay diesel was the bridesmaid or the maid of honor and whatever it's called. And, um, I basically had the little one all last week and couldn't do anything. Um, for the most part, our schedule has opened up like from here on out, we don't have anything big coming up. Things are kind of sort of getting back to normal in our lives. Um, so I'm, you know, with the podcast and other stuff, I'm going to try to get kind of back on schedule, uh, for the stream that may be a little more iffy. Um, cause I don't have an Xbox right now. I sold my one X a couple weeks ago. Um, and the, the thing is I have an okay PC, um, but I have a really good PC for streaming or playing games. Um, I don't have a very good uh, PC for both. That's why I like streaming on my 
Xbox because it can handle all the game load and I can put all of the quality and the streaming load onto the PC, which it does a good job with. Um, so I'm experimenting with some stuff. I did a Tarkov stream on Tuesday. Um, that actually went pretty well. Um, it ran it. Okay. I switched over the way I do my stream to a different method and it actually worked fairly well. Um, but it's not, I just don't enjoy it. I enjoy being able to, it's just, it's easier for me to stream on xbox so um, using my pc so until november 10th you may see me not streaming super consistently or if i am streaming it's going to be weird stuff because like i said before i just don't i just can't invest time into the division not on my xbox character at this point um I, i've got stuff i need to do and i don't really feel like doing a character from scratch again so um yeah uh, now, what is cool is with the Series X, uh, at least with games that can do it, I can bump up my stream up to 60 FPS and uh, I'll be able to have a much higher quality stream. So I'm actually kind of excited for that uh, and to try that out. So so there's that. Ooh, 55 minutes. I did a lot of chatting. Uh, I am Bon Diesel on Twitch, where you can find me a few times a week. You can check out my Twitter at Bon Diesel or at the Echo Cast. If you want some cool Echo Cast or Bon Diesel merch, check out designbyhumans.com slash shop slash Bon Diesel or search for me on their website. That's all I have. So until next time. I'm going to go to the next one.